Welcome to BIV Today. I'm Tyler Orton. Now, look, we've got variant cases spiking all over British Columbia. The, the province might even soon impose restrictions at some point, and this could affect the hospitality and real retail sector in a big, big way. And I think we're wondering, you know, what this hard hit industry has in store for it. And with us today to offer some insights into this, as well as other news in retail, it is Craig Patterson. He's editor-in-chief at RetailInsider.com. Craig, thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me. Great to have you back. Now, you're based in Toronto. It's where the Ontario government last week imposed this four-week stay-at-home order. And I think there are some lessons that can be learned from that if we do have the event in which more restrictions are imposed on British Columbia with the surge in COVID-19 cases. But um, maybe just as kind of a jumping off point here, what was the kind of the, the immediate response from industry upon the imposition of these new restrictions, these uh uh, a four-week stay-at-home order that uh, Ontario has at this point? Uh, I don't think that there weren't many that were actually angry at this point. This is our third um, uh, major lockdown in terms of uh, retailers actually having to be shut as well as food service and other businesses. And uh, uh, I think a lot of people right now are questioning why is it that smaller businesses have to be shut when you can walk into a large Walmart or a Costco that might be quite crowded and will have people there shopping and they may not be you know, that physically distanced. So uh, there has been quite a bit uh, of anger. Uh, we had some pretty decent weather a couple of weeks ago and restaurant patios at the time had been permitted to be open. Uh, it was great times to be had by all. I would say I participated a bit in that too. It was wonderful to see the community come back and then everything was shut down again. And uh, uh, I believe that restaurant uh, uh, providers had spent, they were estimating $100 million just to reopen those patios across the province, just to have them shut again 11 days later. So there actually was quite a bit of anger, I would say, in terms of these uh, most recent shutdowns, because people are starting to ask, are there better ways of doing it? And I, I just wonder, like some of the news stories I was following here, like are, are, are a lot of people just kind of questioning the strategy that's unfolded? You kind of alluded to that just a second ago as well. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I'm definitely not one of those people that's saying don't wear a mask. Uh, I think it's really important to be careful with that. I'm, you know, a big firm believer in hygiene. I know people that have died of COVID-19. So I'm definitely not one of those, you know, conspiracy theorists. But I, I, I do think that a controlled, uh, uh, careful strategy is going to be needed. Because what I think is going to happen is ultimately, there could end up being even more deaths, not from the vi you know virus itself, but I think from from the activities that are happening in terms of an increase in the suicides, uh, people that are lonely, uh, Lord only knows what else. Uh, you know, it's, the pandemic has really affected the psyche of people. And I think that these lockdowns, uh, you know, be it stores or, or even schools closing, you know, this is affecting uh, young people. I, I think people are starting to say, is our government's actually making the right decisions and the best decisions for what's happening or could better decisions be made to save businesses and you know the psyche of, of the population in Canada generally as we go through this because a pandemic in itself is a scary situation and, and having so many things thrown at us in terms of lockdowns, I think again, is creating a lot of frustration. So, uh, and I'm in that boat too, I'm, I'm immune compromised, which means that I would be more likely to stay indoors, but I, I certainly wouldn't demand that everybody have to do that. But at the same time, I hope that we wouldn't see massive spreads. And I know in parts of the country right now, we are seeing that uh, there is a variant in British Columbia spreading, I believe, from Brazil that may actually be resistant to uh, uh, the latest vaccines that have come out. And that's a bit scary, too. So I, I don't know where I stand. I'm just glad I'm not a politician or a medical practitioner at this point.
Well, I wonder though, if you look at what's going on in Ontario at this point with restrictions, you know, are, are there things that BC should avoid doing specifically that you would point to uh, that like we, if we do have tighter restrictions, just British Columbia should not go down this particular route? I don't think full lockdowns are necessary. Uh, we don't want a lot of people running around the city doing all kinds of things that, that could, I suppose, cause a spread as well. But uh, I think at least having an appointment system or some way for people to be able to shop in person is a good thing. Uh, it doesn't mean that it's a free-for-all uh, with restaurants. Again, I'm not quite sure what would be done in terms of indoor dining, but uh, patios, which I, I'm not sure right now in British Columbia if they've been shut down. I think in Alberta they have. Uh, Ontario for sure they have and and again I, I just wouldn't see sitting on a patio on a nice day being overly dangerous in terms of transmission of COVID-19. It's all about risk. I mean honestly I, uh, you know <laughs> I choose not to drive a car because I'm not very good at driving and I think that if I was to get into a car I and others would be far more unsafe than walking around in a, in a pandemic where we're able to wash our hands and do whatnot. Uh, so my, my thought is in life, we always have to mitigate risk, whether or not we're crossing the street or making a decision that could be harmful to us or others. And in this case with the pandemic, I'm not sure if the decisions being made are optimal for the overall uh, situation, which is far greater than just an illness itself. Yeah, I'll point out uh, patios still open here in British Columbia. We do have tighter restrictions in terms of indoor dining or, you know, those activities in fitness clubs. It's just restricted to one on one. Uh, Whistler Blackcomb, it's going to remain closed uh, for uh, for now at this point. So we are seeing things tighten up. And in response, the B.C. government last week, it uh, unveiled about 50 million dollars in some support for these businesses that have been affected. You know, BC has about like maybe one third, one quarter of the population of Ontario. Do you think if we went to kind of full Ontario sort of lockdown mode, that's, you know, businesses would need a whole lot more than just $50 million moving forward? Probably. I, I don't know what the full amount would be, but like I was saying, I think the patios to open Ontario alone cost $100 million. Uh, and, and again, we're a province, I think British Columbia is getting towards 5 million, we've got 14.5 million in Ontario. So I'd have to do some math there. But um, $50 million sounds like a lot of money, but it's also not a lot of money when you really look at things. Uh, how many businesses are there that this would be going to? What are the costs that are going to be associated with any losses? Uh, um, it might be the case that far more money, a larger amount of money would be required for this, but, uh, but it's, it's a good start. I would say at the very least, I'd be curious how it's intended to be spent, uh, what the goals are around that, because I, I think any supports to businesses are going to be a good thing in the long run. Uh, I'm just looking at the United States and thinking what on earth is going to happen there because they're not getting the same supports from government, be it to individuals that are unemployed or to businesses. So at least we're a step ahead there. And I really do hope on the one hand that, we see a better recovery after all is said and done here in terms of uh, governments helping to keep businesses operating. I do think many will still close, but uh, uh, ultimately it's, it's going to, I think, be a challenge because we're going to, I think, see a decrease in consumer spending in certain segments uh, uh, across the board. And, uh, or in the, some spending won't be made up. If you think about restaurants, uh, we're not going to make up for lost time. Uh, we may go to restaurants a bit more frequently when, uh, we're more comfortable to do so, or they're open or whatever the situation is, depending where we are. Uh, but how many haircuts? I'm not going to have to make up for lost time in terms of a haircut, right? I'm going to, I God, I need one, but you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get one, but I, I probably missed eight or 10 or more during the pandemic. I'll never 
get those back, obviously, and probably more accurately, the person that does my hair will not get that money back. So I'll have to leave a good tip. Yeah, I can assure you, I don't have to have uh, worries about the uh, the haircut dilemma myself at this point. But, I'm getting there. Right? <laughs> but uh, it's also, I, I, I look at the United States as well, and they are, you know, excelling at the VAX rollout compared with Canada at this point. They have access to more supply. They're getting people vaccinated much quicker than uh, we are up here. I also wonder about, you know, how much their their economy is going to rebound compared with ours, even if they don't have those same kind of um, government supports that we're getting up here in Canada too? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, the United States has been resilient after recessions, uh, although in some places there really wasn't a great recovery since the 2008-2009 recession. So I do think that, you know, it is going to be challenging for for people and businesses in the United States. Um I, I don't know what, what's going to happen. I mean, uh, now that we're seeing a COVID variant, even though there are vaccinations, if a new vaccine is needed or it can't be developed in time, I'm not sure what's going to happen there because right now the United States, the United States seems to be ahead of us in terms of overall vaccinations. I, I think we're going to catch up. I might actually qualify in a few weeks for one. And I um, am, you know, under 50 and live in a wealthy postal code. So, you know, there's, there's certain protocols here in Toronto that they've got, and I, I'm definitely disadvantaged, but nevertheless, we seem to have a, a supply coming, but, uh, I don't know. I think there's still gonna be a lot of wild cards again, you know, variants that are, are vaccine resistant. Uh, uh, I don't know. I I'm confident that we'll see a more of a recovery, I think economically in 2022, but we still don't know yet what's going to happen. I don't think 2021 is going to be as good of a year as some people are thinking. And I know there's a lot of optimism out there. I'm typically optimistic myself, but I, I'm also a realist and, and we're definitely not out of this situation as we see spikes across the country, particularly British Columbia, Alberta, and Ontario, Quebec, who knows what's going to happen there. Maybe those curfews that they have that everyone's protesting about uh, this weekend are actually working. I have no idea. I, just I'm not a big fan of curfews or, or a lot of limitations generally. I, I agree with you. I, I think there's just a lot more uncertainty left in the year for us to be, you know, confident about how our economic performance is going to be. We did have a pretty quick recovery, you know, after restrictions were uh, uh, released last year, though, and like we did bounce back. Uh, and uh, just in terms of jobs, you know, BC keeps adding them every single month. Um, that said, you know, why don't we kind of shift over to some other topics with regards to what's going on retail here on the West Coast. Uh, new Nordstrom pop-up. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, Do- Dover Street Market. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. It, it surprised me because uh, Dover Street Market is a very edgy, multi-brand retailer based out of uh, London in the UK. Uh, has, I think, six standalone locations globally uh, as actual stores and a couple of little boutiques in Paris. They'll be opening a full-size Paris store, I think, later this year. Uh, opened at Nor- uh, opened within the space department. I think it's actually a takeover of the space department on the second floor, I believe it is, of the Nordstrom store in downtown Vancouver. Uh, I would say personally that that's the biggest collaboration I've ever seen Nordstrom do in Canada or possibly at all in terms of... Uh, basically taking uh, a world-renowned retailer and plopping it into uh, their stores. Uh, I don't want to say it's incongruous, but at the same time, Nordstrom is quite a traditional retailer. I don't know if I would consider it to be overly trendy. Uh, Dover Street Market is quite the opposite in terms of it. I would say it's the new retail, uh, very edgy, you know, has a point of view uh, as far as being a retailer uh, that uh, we don't typically see in North America. There's very few like it. So uh, I, I think that it's a really interesting move for Nordstrom and uh, who knows, maybe it would be the 
the beginning of Dover Street Market looking at maybe opening a standalone store in Vancouver. I don't know. Uh, why do you think you know, they would go for kind of a city like Vancouver out of all the other cities here in Canada? Well, Vancouver is interesting because, uh, you know, Leone just closed and uh, Leone was a uh, wonderful multi-brand retailer at the Sinclair Centre on Hay- West Hastings Street. And uh, uh, Vancouver has had a reputation for not being a fashion forward city. And that became a bit of a stereotype. But what I think is really interesting is uh, Galen Weston was talking, uh, he owns Holt Renfrew. Was, was talking about the Vancouver market and particularly the fact that the market does have a large Asian population that's extremely brand conscious and found that the Vancouver market is actually a highly advanced fashion market looking for the latest goods from the best designers. And I, I think that that is really, really interesting. So it is speaking to Vancouver already being an advanced market. Uh, the room at Hudson's Bay, uh, which is the expensive department on the second floor, it was only for women. They brought menswear in a few months ago and again it's got to be one of the edgiest spaces in terms of retail design and brand offering that we would see anywhere in Canada and it's only in Vancouver that specific department with the menswear and the womenswear and the really cool uh, interesting design so uh, on top of that again Holt Renfrew and Nordstrom the top stores in Canada are both in Vancouver so the Vancouver market from a fashion perspective particularly from certain demographics is really really successful so uh, if I was a Dover Street Market, I would look at probably Vancouver or Toronto for a location. I'm not sure about Toronto because the Webster, which is I consider quite a similar retailer, really great multi-brand retailer based out of Miami, is going to be opening this summer in downtown Toronto. So um, these types of retailers are expanding and perhaps Vancouver would be a good market for Dover Street Market. I, I'm thinking now, I've been racking my brain about whether I visited Pacific Center more than once since the pandemic. I, I know I had to stop at the Apple store a couple of weeks ago. I don't think I have. Like, I, I think I've kind of avoided malls. I, I'm, I'm a bit of a germaphobe. But uh, do you think that the uh, the mall life will come roaring back as soon as people feel safe? Or did it ever really die off? I just you, you see all those videos all the time about like packed malls uh, still going on here in Canada. What, what's your take about kind of the, the future for, you know, kind of the, the mall experience moving forward in Canada? Yeah, I think it really depends. Uh, some malls have definitely been busy and it's certain consumer segments that are willing to go. They're a little more risk averse. They're younger. They may have caught in COVID or got vaccinated. There's so many different reasons, right? I mean, I've been to a few malls since uh, the pandemic has, has happened, but I've avoided them too, actually. Uh, I, I think there is, you know, during this acute period of potential infection, uh, a shopping center, if it's enclosed, is an enclosed environment. And uh, I think that some may look at that and say, well, there could be more of a possibility that we could get sick because who knows about air circulation and whatnot. Uh, I think that that is a concern. So we would see street retail, I think, doing better. But um, I, I think one of the bigger challenges for CF Pacific Center is the fact that it's downtown, uh, that you've got a catchment area of about 100,000 people in the downtown peninsula and way fewer people coming in from other parts of Vancouver. You don't have people working in the office towers like you did before. You're not seeing the cruise ships bringing in thousands of people a day like it was happening before. We don't have those international tourists that used to come to Vancouver in droves to you know, visit the beautiful region and, and enjoy themselves. So uh, all of this is really hitting downtown retail hard and, uh, and also suburban uh, retail. But certainly I think I would say the downtown much more so because the downtown has been reliant on outside visitors or visitors not from specifically the downtown core, as well as, of course, those that do live there. So I I do think that this is going to continue to be a challenge long term. I I think that shopping centers, just given the clustering uh, opportunities there for brands, as well as the landlords being able to dictate who goes where, 
uh, I think will continue to create a compelling retail experience. And if we're in a future without a pandemic, which I pray to God happens, then I, I do think we'll see shopping centers just roar back in popularity. But I do think that our local streets will as well, because we are seeing a movement towards uh, buy local and local retailers are more likely to be on a street front than in a major shopping center. Uh, if we look maybe just maybe half a block or maybe one full block down the street on a Granville Strip, though, from uh, the Nordstrom pop-up, uh, we, we have another Japanese retailer. It's opening its first corporate store here, uh, Daiso. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, the plans that Daiso has for Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. Daiso, it's an inexpensive uh, variety retailer based out of Japan. You can get all kinds of stuff there from kitchen goods, toys, origami paper. I used to do origami, so I used to buy it at the old Daiso. So there was one in the Vancouver area, people will, of course, remember, but it was actually a franchise location owned by Fairchild Group at the Aberdeen Centre in Richmond. So there was a 23,000 square foot Daiso store there that uh, is now branded as Omumu. So now the Daiso Corporation itself has come into Canada, opened its first store in Canada, I think it was last week at 810 Granville Street. Uh, which used to be an Indigo Spirit bookstore. There are an initial plans for about 10 locations in uh, the Vancouver Lower Mainland uh, for Daiso. Uh, under that corporate expansion, JLL is handling that. So we found out that information and uh, they'll be looking for uh, kind of high traffic locations for, for stores, you know, in, in neighborhoods that will be able to serve local populations. And some may be in shopping centers, some may be on streets. So I think it, it's, a, it's a good news story because it speaks to the, um, importance of brick and mortar retail. Uh, we see a lot of news stories about people going and shopping online and, and you know, is the future going to be all virtual? Are we never going to leave our homes again? And I would say, well, no, absolutely. That's not true. Uh, people are still seeking an experience and they're looking for something that's tangible in terms of being able to walk into say a Daiso store and pick something up on the spot and buy it. Uh, so I, I, I see this as a good news story for brick and mortar retail in terms of this retailer expanding. And there are actually quite a few retail expansions happening right now. So even though we will see a lot of news about doom and gloom, not all people and businesses feel that way. Uh, businesses ultimately are looking to expand uh, to make money in the future. And, you know, if they have a three to five year plan, that should hopefully not include a pandemic, which means that they need to expand and and right now you can get some half decent deals on real estate in terms of finding leases to open a, a retail restaurant, whatever the concept might be. So I do think we are going to still continue to see businesses opening, even though we are in this really strange situation with this pandemic. Yeah, you mentioned kind of that brand building and I, I just or the kind of the importance of, you know, being in like kind of a brick and mortar area. I, I just wonder if despite with e-commerce taking off really is kind of important for companies if they're kind of, you know, planning on expanding into Canada, you need to have kind of that brick and retail kind of uh, presence in order for people to really kind of get get that traction going that you might think when it comes to your brand. I would say so. Yes. Uh, I, I think that for, for many brands, having a physical presence is going to be important. There's actually a study for International Council of Shopping Centers that found that when a brand that was online opened a physical store in a certain market, they actually saw an increase in sales with for both. So they saw, hmm. well, obviously they would see brick and mortar sales because it was a new store, but they actually saw a spike in sales on the online channel as well in that market because that awareness was created. And and having a physical store on top of that, it can, it can be a showroom, it can be a place to educate the consumer about your product. It also creates a sense of legitimacy saying, well, there's a store in my city. Uh, you know, It's not just something that's, you know, pie in the sky or just online or you know, something that you, you can't see. So I, I do think that having a physical presence for a retailer is important, but I do think we're going to have less stores. So 
uh, some chains out there have had hundreds of locations or even more, depending if they're in the United States. And, and I do think that uh, even for companies that will still continue to have a physical presence with stores, uh, there probably will be fewer of them, but the ones that will exist will be better and will be places that act as showrooms that perhaps uh, could tie into a digital website, uh, act as uh, some sort of a fulfillment center, a pickup location if someone's ordered it through another way, be it on an app or social media or through a website. So I think we're really going to be seeing a blurring of the lines between physical and uh, digital uh, for retail. But I do still think that the physical is going to be important, but uh, it will be different in the future as well. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, fewer stores. Do you envision kind of a, a world in which Canada is going to face, you know, that so-called like malpocalypse, uh, as they're calling it down in the United States, you know, w- w- with regards to a lot of store closures, like empty storefronts? Is that at all in the cards for Canada? Or is it just such a distinct market from the United States, even though there's some obvious parallels that we could draw? I think it's going to happen. It may not be quite as pronounced as the United States. Uh, the United States has a lot more re- uh, retail space per person when compared to Canada. So that's certainly to our benefit. Also, our governments have supported businesses far more uh, in various ways from wage subsidies to rent subsidies. Uh, this, again, I think is going to put our businesses in a better position. I mean, that money will run out eventually. So who knows what's going to happen there. But uh, I think, uh, uh, you know, longer term, and um, I just forgot the question, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, just it's like longer term, do do we, do, is there a chance that, you know, we could have like uh, lots of empty storefronts and oh. malls, or do you think we'll keep kind of chugging along here in Canada? Well, you know, I do think that we're going to see a lot of empty spaces and it's for reasons that almost might be different than what we're seeing in the United States. Uh, we were starting to see a lot of vacancies already. I'm working on a project in Vancouver's West side right now from Toronto. And one of the big concerns we had was still the property tax situation because if taxes are passed on to, uh, say a business that's leasing something uh, and those costs get to be too high, that business may not be able to survive. So uh, I do think that we will see quite a few businesses close. We were already seeing it before COVID-19 and now we're seeing an acceleration of this because we've got a situation where these businesses have uh, less in the way of sales while they're seeing an increase in costs, uh, be it in staffing costs, be it in uh, PPE costs, uh, reduced hours, uh, which would re- result in potentially reduced spending. So I do think that that's going to be a challenge. In terms of the empty malls, I don't see that happening in Canada as much because we have less uh, retail space per capita, but also we have fairly strong real estate markets where our shopping centers were already slated to be redeveloped anyways. So uh, the Vancouver Lower Mainland has really led the way, I would say, just given how constricted the land is in the Lower Mainland, you know, with mountains, water, and a border, basically containing it almost like an island uh, and then the high real estate prices. So what we are going to see, I think, is most of the shopping centers as we know them at some point will be redeveloped into higher density, complete communities like Oak Ridge Centre, like the Brentwood Town Centre, which has become the amazing Brentwood. Uh, These types of developments, I think, are a way of the future. So shopping centre landlords may be hurting now, but I think a lot of them are looking to redevelop if they aren't already. I mean, CF Richmond Centre is is well on its way with pre-sales for condominiums at the south end of that property. And Again, these are landlords that are doing something to make money. Uh, whether or not this is going to enhance the retail experience, that's up to debate. But uh, at some point, uh, we probably will see those corridors and those shopping centers de- uh, demolished. Metropolis at Metrotown is interesting because very long-term plans, like maybe even 80 years from now, they're looking at taking the existing shopping center property and basically demolishing it and creating a street grid to create a neighborhood that will be there. It will still be on the shopping center property and it will still have stores, but it won't be that uh, traditional shopping center that we see right now. So I, I think that 
you know, in decades to come, it's going to be very interesting. But in the short term, I think there are going to be a lot of vacancies on streets. We're already seeing it in Gastown. Um, even Robson Street has struggled. Uh, uh, the downtown Granville Street strip has, has seen some challenges. And, uh, and I think that we'll continue to see that across the board in, in various neighborhoods, depending where they're located. But South Granville, I think, has had some challenges. But the West Forth uh, shopping area in Kitsilano is just hot uh, with, with Peloton, Warby Parker. Uh, there's a few more I can't say yet that are coming in. And it seems like that's going to be the next hot street in Vancouver for leasing for digitally native brands and really cool direct-to-consumer brands that uh, are expanding globally. Yeah, I think about Gastown, and I just wonder, is it going to take the return of the tourism sector for, you know, you know, more storefronts to kind of reopen there for people to come back? They need that street traffic? Yeah, I think so. I, I think it's a mix of the lack of street traffic because there isn't a high resident population there. Well, there is, but unfortunately, it's the downtown east side. And uh, I, I've been chastised for saying things about it before, but it is a socially challenged neighborhood. There, there's a high level of addiction. There's There's mental health issues. There's housing instability, all of that together has created a significant challenge for the downtown east side. And that is spilling over uh, onto Water Street and Gastown and the other streets that are in that area that were, uh, you know, certainly more upscale, I guess we would say in the past. So I, I think that that proximity to the downtown east side, as well as the foot traffic, which would be non downtown east side in terms of its configuration, i.e. tourists that might be wealthy from another part of the world, uh, I, I think Gastown, I don't want to say it's in trouble, but it is. Uh, there, I, I, I know people that live there. I know people that have businesses there. Uh, none of them are saying great things right now. It's, it's a neighborhood that is uh, in distress. Uh, I think we will see more vacancies. And I hope to goodness that some vibrancy can come back because uh, this could end up being a very challenging situation for the neighborhood. And this is not new. Uh, Gastown has gone through this over the years where there's been this push to move it upscale. Sonia Riquiel from Paris opened a store there in the 90s when I was a teenager. It, it flopped, unfortunately. And, and, you know, Gastown has tried to, to find its way as, as a vibrant shopping area with limited success. And now this is another blow to the neighborhood, I would say. And this is a really, really serious one. I, I, I do wonder what's in store for it. I, I hope that there is a quick recovery, but I, I just don't know how we're going to see that without more of those tourists coming in. And who knows when we'll even get an idea about when that's going to happen. So we'll have to keep our eye on that. And uh, Craig, I, I just want to thank you once again for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me. That's Craig Patterson. He is editor-in-chief at RetailInsider.com. And that is it for BIV today, but we will be back tomorrow. In the meantime, you can go to BIV.com for more stories, more interviews there. For now, I'm Tyler Orton. Thank you for listening. 